Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And again, I reiterate thank you what he said on the meals and again for the nice place to stay. We really appreciate how y'all have taken care of us while you're here. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 94. Psalm 94. We appreciate each of your faithfulness and getting to know you through the week. And um, you pray for me tonight. I'm, I'm using you as guinea pigs. It's the first time I've preached this message and we'll pre- try to preach tonight. Uh, Brother Bell said that, you know, getting around other preaching sometimes make you want to preach. Brother Sammy Allen used to be our pastor for over 20 years, and, and um, he would say there's two kind of preaching that makes me want to preach, two kind of preachers that makes me want to preach. He said those that can and those that can't. <laughs> so, so like I said, we got a guinea, we, we, we use you as the guinea pig tonight on this message, and um, I pray it would be a blessing tonight and not be boring. And the Lord really spoke to my heart through this verse some time ago as I was uh, reading my devotions, and I committed a verse to memory because of it, and the more I went over it and meditated on it, the bigger it got, and it Man. turned into an outline and turned hopefully into a message that God will use. So let's, we're going to read the entire psalm tonight just for a little context, and uh, let's have a brief word of prayer, and we'll, and we'll uh, read our verses. Lord, we want to thank you for the day. Thank you for these faithful people that are here tonight. I pray, God, that you continue to work in this meeting and work in our lives, and Help me, Lord. Help my wife. Help our family, God. You know the needs in, in each soul that's here tonight. And I pray, God, that you just uh, minister to us. Help us to be a blessing and not be boring. Or if there's any unconfessed sin in my life, I ask you to forgive me. Help me, God, to be used of you tonight. And, God, I pray you bring me memory of the things I've tried to study. And I pray your blessing on the rest of the service tonight. And, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 94, verse number 1. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself. Judge, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, lift up thyself, O judge of the earth, and render a wart. Did I read that twice? Render a wart to the proud. Lord, how long uh, shall uh, the wicked? How long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. It almost sounds like we're reading what's going on in Israel today, doesn't it? Uh, It says in verse number 6, They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard us. Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, uh, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teacheth uh, man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged, For the wicked, for the Lord will not cast off his people. Praise the Lord for that. Neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment uh, shall return unto, uh, unto righteousness, and all upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help. My soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, my foot slippeth, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts uh, delight my soul. 
Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my, sal- rock of my refuge. And He shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. We don't know who wrote this psalm. I've tried to study. I've tried to figure it out, but no commentator knows who who wrote this psalm. Uh, We don't know when it was written, nor do we know uh, the specific circumstances uh, that caused the psalmist uh, to pin it down. By way of introduction, I want to point out three things in Psalm 94. Uh, In Psalm 94, we see uh, the past. The past in this psalm. We see in verse number 5, the psalmist was crying out to the Lord because God's people were being persecuted. They were being afflicted. They were under affliction. It says there, they break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thy heritage. This is what was happening in the past for us. Uh, and not only in, in this psalm do we see the past, but if you look at the last verse in the, in the psalm, we see the future. The future. Uh, the psalmist says here in verse number 23, And he shall, bring, he shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut uh, them off in their own wickedness. Uh, yea, uh, the Lord our God shall cut them off. And many commentators believe that this is a preview of the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation uh, when He comes back to set up His millennial kingdom on earth. So we see the past in this psalm. We see uh, mention uh, probably of the future uh, in this psalm. Uh, The sad thing about history is that most people don't learn from it. And the sad thing about the future is that most people won't prepare for it. And, And I'm glad that we can learn from the past because history will usually repeat itself and the best thing that we can learn about the past is that Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world. That's the best thing that we can learn. Not only that, um, uh, we find that he, we, can, we can prepare because of the future. We can be prepared for the future because there is a heaven to gain and there is a real hell to shun. But here in this psalm, we not only see the, 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 um, the past and the future, but somewhere between the past and the future is the present. That's, there's the present. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we serve a God that's God of the present. The psalmist said in Psalm 46 in verse number 1, God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. The presence where we're living today. You know, we think about what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Look at Israel. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Hey, I'm not more concerned. I'm concerned about the future, but I'm no more concerned about right now. Right now. Hey, we're living in the present. The presence where we're living. Give me some, give me some help. Give me some hope uh, for today because the present, the present is where I'm facing consequences from the past. And the present is where I, I'm facing concerns about the future. I don't know what's going to be happening, but I might be concerned about it today in the present. Excuse me. So I want to preach on this thought tonight. Help for today. Help for today. And I want, to take, I want to take my text out of verse number 18. And like I said earlier, I was, I was reading through the Psalms in my daily devotionals, and I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible. I don't even count, you know. But I try to do it once a year and sometimes more than once a year. And, and I, I don't know how many times I've read this, but the, this last time that I read through, verse number 18, like to jumped off the page and slapped me in the face, and I thought, 
That is so good. That is so good. And the verse says this, When I said, My foot slippeth, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. So I committed it to memory, like I said, and the more I, more I went over it, the more I meditated on it, the bigger it started to get it, and here we are tonight. So we here, we look at verse number 18, and the psalmist was in, in right in the middle of an unexpected situation. Look what he says here. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Number one tonight, I want to look at this. Look at the problem that he faced. Like I said, we don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't know why it was penned or when it was penned. But we know that God used this person uh, to write down and to pen down this psalm. And this psalmist here was facing a problem. We look at the problem that he faced. You say, what's the problem there in that verse? He says, my foot slippeth. That was the problem. He didn't say, my foot slipped in the past. He, he didn't say, my foot might slip in the future. He, he, he was, he, it was my foot slippeth, present tense. He said, right now, my foot is getting out of, out of, out of control. It wasn't, it wasn't a time in his life before when, when he was praying about it because the psalmist, the, in the Psalms, we don't know if David wrote this or not, but David, David did make a, um, a matter of slipping, make, make slipping a matter of prayer. The psalm says in Psalm 17 in verse number 5, hold up. Hold up, my, hold up my paths that my footsteps slip not. It wasn't, it wasn't before when he was praying about not slipping. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't afterwards when he was remorseful and repentant about slipping. Uh, it, it was right now. It was present tense. He was right in the middle of it. Notice that the psalmist said that it was his foot. It was his foot, singular, that was slipping not his feet, plural. You know, man might tend to think uh, that if one foot slips, the other will catch and keep it from falling. But the psalmist was much wiser bear than that. He, he, knew, he knew that he needed God's help. He knew, that God knew, he knew that he needed God's help when only one foot was slipping. Because usually, usually when one foot's going, the other will follow. But not when God's mercy gets involved. But not when God's mercy gets involved. When the foot starts to slip, the mercy of God can change a slipping foot, thank God, into a stable foot. So we see the problem that he faced. Secondly, I want you to look tonight, look back at our verse, Psalm 94, verse number 18. Secondly, I want you to look at the pitfall that he missed. Look at our verse. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. The pitfall that he missed. Now the wording is not in our verse, but the indication in the verse is plain to see. There was something that his foot slipped on. There was something there that, that, he, didn't, that he didn't see coming. He missed it. He missed it. We need to be careful because the devil is always looking uh, for a way to get us to slip. He's always looking for a way uh, to get us to fall. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15 and 16, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, uh, but as wise, uh, uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You see, we're going to walk circumspectly. We're going to keep our eyes open. We're going to keep looking uh, around. Uh, you see, uh, it was the psalmist's desire. It was his desire to, to do right. Uh, and to walk right. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 101, he said, I have refrained my feet. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep thy word. The Bible doesn't tell us what he slipped on. It doesn't tell us. He said, when I said, my foot slippeth. He said, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. We don't know what he slipped on. But he didn't miss it, whatever it was, with his foot. He hit it with his foot. He missed it with his eye. He wasn't watching. He wasn't watching. I was thinking about how the literal times in my life, several times, I've slipped and fall. And you, after I leave you this list, you're going to think, well, you're pretty accident prone. Well, if you hadn't done nothing, you probably hadn't made no mistakes. I was thinking as a teenage boy, we would go break for lunch, and I had my driver's license this then, and we had a certain amount of time uh, for lunch. Uh, to, and if, if you was quick, you could get to Pizza Hut and get in line and get a personal pan pizza and get back to lunch, get back to school on time. And um, I was being too quick. And I got there first, and I, or not first, but pretty, pretty much, you know, first. And I ran to the door. And how many knows that the stripes on the parking lot and the stripes on the road are slick compared to the rest of the pavement? As I was running to the door, my foot hit one of those, and I was in the middle of slowing down, and the foot slipped on the, on the stripe, hit the curb, hyperextended my knee, and I messed up. My foot slipped, slipped. So slipping happens when you're in a hurry. Not only that, slipping happens when conditions are unfamiliar. I was, I was at our, our home church when I was in Bible college, and, and um, uh, we'd gone to church, and an ice storm come in. We walked outside, and it was slick. I had on leather-soled dress shoes, and I walked out on the way of the truck. Next thing I knew, my head was thumping on the pavement. When are we going to slip? We're in a hurry. When are we going to slip? When the conditions are unfamiliar. Next time I thought about is when you slip when you take unnecessary chances. Unnecessary chances. We were building a new building in our, our church at, at Concord. I, when I was I finished up my deputation, I had our support raised. Brother Allen put me to work, uh, working in the building, doing construction work framing. It came time and we were setting the columns on the front. Uh, there's four columns across the front and two half columns uh, back on the edge of the, the, the building. And they're 20 foot. And we put those columns together, they're hollow, and somebody got designated to be in the rafters to put a rope around it to pull it up. You know who that was? It was me. The, the gable on the porch, the rafters are set on two-foot centers, and I thought, well, I've got to get across here four times. I need something that I can slide across here. So I found me a piece of plywood that was four foot. About four foot by four foot. Now, you know if, if, you know if the rafters are set on two-foot centers. I had plywood hanging three-quarter inch on that truss and three-quarter inch on this truss, and it was working until I got careless. The next thing I knew, the plywood flipped out from under me, and I grabbed, and I was hanging and swinging by the ceiling joist of that truss. I'm saying that when I, why not, why not I slip? Because slipping happens when, when, you're, when you're taking unnecessary chances. Slipping happens when you're walking in the dark. Yes. 
we always tried to have our kids pick up the toys. Every once in a while, one of those little Legos, get, you're laughing, you know what I'm talking about. Get left out. And when you step on one of those things barefooted, on the floor, on the carpet that doesn't have any padding underneath it, you're shouting the victory, but it's, you're shouting, but it's not shouting the victory. Slipping happens when you're walking in the dark. Slipping happens uh, when you're about to make the wrong move. On and on we could go. We slip physically through life. But literally, we slip spiritually too. We slip spiritually. The reason is because our focus gets wrong. We get our eyes on the wrong thing. We take unnecessary chances. We think we're doing okay. We think things are going uh, the way that everything should go. And we get familiar with where we are. And we become too familiar with our surroundings. And we miss a pitfall. So we see the problem that he faced and we see the pitfall uh, that he missed. But number three, I want you to look at the pronouns that he used. Look at our verse here. He said, when I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. We're living in a day when the government says you can't use personal pronouns. That's what they're trying to tell us. They, they, so, that, so that it's all inclusive, so that no one's identified, so that no one's offended. Uh, they, 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 they don't want you to use he and him or she and her. They want you to be gender neutral and not to get too personal uh, and replace that like that. Uh, but the psalmist wasn't playing the blame game. Uh, he, he, um, he, he said it, it, he, he got very personal in this verse and he used three personal pronouns. He used the word I and he used the word my and he use the word me you see he used the personal pronoun I look what he says here when I said when I said when I when I look at that word I or that personal pronoun I I see realization in the psalmist's life I see realization uh, that when he used that he realized where he was he realized where he was he didn't say the Bible said it. He didn't say, he didn't say the preacher said it. He didn't say, the preacher said I was messing up. He didn't say my wife said it. He didn't say uh, uh, my mama or my daddy said it or the school teacher said it, said it. He realized where he was and he said, I said it. I said it. He got honest with himself. And that's when we got to get... That's when, that's when he got the immediate, the immediate help that he needed. We'll never get any help from God until we realize where we are. Amen. You see, the prodigal son didn't get to come to the father until he came to himself. Right. So he used the personal pronoun I. Not only that, he used the personal pronoun my. He used the personal pronoun my. He didn't say, your foot slippeth. He said, when, when I said, my foot slippeth. He used the personal pronoun my. Uh, he didn't say your foot or their foot. He said it's my foot. When I look at the words my foot, I see confession in his life. I see that he's, he's confessing and, he, and, he's, and he's getting uh, things right. It was very personal to him. He was looking at himself instead of looking at others. Uh, when you and I realize that we're the ones slipping, you know what it does? It gets our eyes off of others. It gets our eyes on us. It gets our eyes on us. He used the personal pronoun I, he used the personal pronoun my, but then he used the personal pronoun me. He said it was me. He said, when, when I said my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me 
held me up. He said, it's me that needs to be held up by God's mercy. I remember, I don't know if you ever heard Brother Hanley Melby preach or not. I'm sure you probably have, but I remember he preached at Faith Baptist Camp one time, Brother Bell, and, and he preached on me mercy. Me mercy. He preached on the blind man that cried out in Luke 18 and verse number 38. He cried and saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Right. And he talked about how that mercy is so personal that it starts with M-E. And I'm glad that we can have personal mercy. Personal mercy, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, me, Lord, that needs prayer. Stand in the need of prayer. We see a problem that he faced. We see a pitfall that he missed. And we see the pronouns that he used. But fourthly, I want you to look at the prayer that he prayed. You say, I don't see any prayer in that verse. Look at verse number 18. He said, when I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. The psalmist prayed a very short prayer here. He said, I don't see any prayer. Oh, I know he prayed. I know he was praying to God because it was the Lord that responded. Right. You see here, he prayed a very simple three-word prayer. He said, my foot slippeth. My foot slippeth. And I, when I'm about to say this, I'm not minimizing the importance of prayer. We, we probably, no doubt, we need to pray more and spend more time in prayer, but sometimes we're guilty of praying around the world instead of facing the matter right before us. Amen. The psalmist's prayer was short. It was to the point. He didn't address God as his Father. He didn't pray in Jesus' name. He didn't even say amen at the end of his prayer. In emergency, there is urgency, or there should be. And he, you hear what I'm saying? He said, my foot is slipping. He said, when I said my foot slipped, my foot slippeth. Right then. He said, thy mercy, O Lord, it held me up. In emergency, there's urgency, and there isn't time for multitudes of words. I remember in 1996, uh, our first child was born in 97, and, and God was working our hearts. About, I, I just graduated Bible college, and, and I believe God wanted to go to the mission field, and I was trying to figure things out, and, and I, I, I believe we was going to Australia. And, and long story, but I was dragging my feet, Brother Bell. I really wasn't doing everything that I could to, to um, get done what I need to do. And um, God in mercy dealt with me and chastised me. I, was, I, I had some slick tires on the back of my truck, not because I was racing, not because they was, you know, racing slicks or anything. They were slick because I, I, we were broke and I'd replaced the front tires and I said, I can make those, la those back ones last longer because, you know, I, so I was on the way to town to get a haircut and, and um, I came into a real heavy rain and it was on three lanes of, of road, two lanes going into town and um, I was behind this, this vehicle driving about 40 miles an hour and we came out of the rain. It, I mean, it was raining cats and dogs and we just drove out of it. But the rain was coming in my direction and all that water was still on the road. So I eased around this man in the right lane and just by the time I got beside him, my truck started spinning clockwise hydroplaning. It wasn't speeding, it was just water on the road. A hydroplane going counterclockwise off the road, down the embankment to the bottom of the embankment, going up the embankment, still going clockwise, coming back down, and I saw the mailbox in the driveway culvert coming. And I tried to lay down, but my seatbelt had me pinned, and all I had time to say was, Lord, help. Amen. Lord, help. I didn't say, dear Heavenly Father, 
I didn't say, forgive me of this or forgive me of that. I just said, Lord, help. Lord, help. Next thing I knew, I was skating down the highway upside down, hearing that metal scratch all the way down through there. Heard my engine going, because I had stiffened up and pushed the accelerator. And I crawled out of there without a scratch. The guy come back and he, he said, I was standing looking there. And he said, who's in there? I said, I was in there. He said, no. He said, I saw it happen in my rearview mirror. All I can say is God help me. And I had a quick, short prayer. Lord, help. Lord, help. This was a very short prayer the psalmist prayed. But when I look at his prayer, I see several things in his prayer. The first thing I see is that the psalmist was right with God. He was right with God. Look at what he says here. My foot slippeth. And God answered his prayer. Why do you say he was right with God? Because Psalm 66 and verse number 18 says this. If I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So what that tells me is, and we don't have time to go through all of the scriptures on this, that when we've got unconfessed sin in our life, our prayer life is cut short with God hearing it. You see, when he says, if I regard iniquity, the word regard means to look upon with permissiveness. If I look upon sin in my life and say, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's just not a big one. He said, if I regard it, iniquity in my life, he said, the Lord's not going to hear me. So I say, I say that the psalmist was right with God. He didn't have to confess a pile of sin when his foot started to slip. Uh, he, 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 was, he, was, he was there and he said, Lord, my foot slippeth. And, and you know, when, when, we, when we get saved, sin is going to come into our life. We still mess up because our flesh is not saved. And when we sin, we need to keep a short account of sin in our lives. Remember that 1 John 1, 9 is still in the book. If, I confess our, if we confess our sins, He is, thank God, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You and I both know when sin comes in our life. Don't wait. Don't wait till devotions at night or prayer time in the morning to get it right. Get it right ASAP as soon as possible. Hey, do it immediately if you can. The psalmist was right with God. Not only that, when I look at his prayer, I, I, I see that the psalmist recognized something was wrong. What was it that he recognized? He felt an important part of his body going in the wrong direction. His foot was slipping. It was a time when he was losing his standing. It was a time when he was losing his footing. It, it, was, it was getting out of balance. Not only that, I see that the psalmist not only uh, recognized something was wrong, but he responded uh, to the problem. Notice the word said in our verse tonight. He said, when I said, when I said, he said, you see, it didn't say, the verse didn't say, when I thought. It didn't say when that passed through my mind. It said, when I said, when I said, my foot slippeth. You know what he was doing? He was confessing his sin. He said something's wrong. You know, you and I can recognize a problem by thinking about it. We can recognize a problem by thinking about it. But if we don't respond to what we recognize, there's not going to be any real repentance and remission in our lives. He said, he, he, he admitted it. I said it. I said it. Jesus said in Luke 24 and verse number 47, He said that repentance 
We believe in that, don't we? Amen. believe you've got to repent to be saved. Yes, sir. We believe we've got to repent to get right with God even after we're saved, right? Amen. Jesus said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Amen. So He said not only repentance, but remission. You said, what's remission? What's remission? I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to read it to you. Remission means release from bondage or imprisonment. It means forgiveness or pardon of sins. It means letting them go as if they'd never been committed. It means remission of the penalty, according to Strong's Concordance. You see, Jesus said that remission, or excuse me, that repentance and remission should be preached. Why did he say both would be preached? He said because when a man truly repents, he's going to get some release. He's going to get that remission. Because if you don't preach the remission, you didn't, if, they didn't get the, if they don't have the remission, they didn't, they didn't really repent. They didn't repent. So we see, we, he, he recognized where he was, and, and he said it was, he said, he said it. He recognized his problem, and he repented about it. So we look, at the, we look here at the prayer that he prayed, but look at, if you will, number five. I want you to look at the prop. Look at the prop that supported him. You say, what, what, what was supporting him here? It's called mercy. Amen. The prop that supported him. When he said, when I said, my foot slippeth, he said, thy mercy. Thy mercy, thy mercy, O Lord, help me up. I'm talking about that prop that supported him. Now, we could break a leg. I don't hope we don't. You break a leg and the crutches could hold us up. We could lose a leg, and I hope we sure don't do that. And a prosthetic leg might hold us up. But here, when we slip spiritually, it's the mercy of God that holds us up. It's the mercy of God. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And grace is God giving us uh, things that we don't deserve. In mercy, He spares us. But by grace, He saves us. Thank God. The mercy of God is what props us up when we begin to slip. I want you to hold your place there and look over your wheel at at Micah, excuse me, Micah chapter number 7. If you don't have time to turn there, just listen, I'll read it to you. Micah chapter number uh, 7 uh, and verse number uh, 18. He says, who is, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, that passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He delights in mercy. You see, all he had to do is say, my foot slipping, God, I need some of your mercy today. He says, he will turn again, and he will have compassion upon us, and he will subdue our iniquities, and, and thou wilt cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. I'm glad that when it comes time, when we got a problem, when our foot begins to slip, we just got to cry and say, oh, Lord, my foot's a-slipping. Thy mercy, oh, Lord, help me up. When things get out of control, I'm glad that his mercy is just a prayer away. Just one prayer away. I mentioned Psalm 66 in verse number 18. Turn over you there if you will. Psalm 66. We mentioned how that in Psalm 66 in verse number 18, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In that verse right there, I see information and knowledge. You say, what knowledge and information you see? I see that I'm informed and I get knowledge that if I, re if I keep sin in my life, my prayer is not going to be heard by God. Look at the next verse in verse number 19. But verily God hath heard me. 
He said, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God's not going to hear me. But verily God hath heard me, and he hath, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. So I see prayer being answered. Thank God. He learned something in his, in his life. And then look in verse number 20. He said here, Blessed be God which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from, his, from me. He, he, I see thankfulness and I think, see thankfulness because of mercy. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad that I'm saved. But where... Would we be without the mercy of God since we've been saved? Where would we be? We could say a lot about mercy through the, uh, through the Bible, but I want, to point out, I want to point out three things as we look at this verse. I'd like to say that mercy is available. It's available. I've been broke down on the side of the road, needed a part or a tool, and it wasn't available. It, was, it wasn't available, but thank God mercy. Mercy yeah. is only a prayer away. I, I, I like what, the, what Jeremiah said in Lamentation chapter number 3 and verse number 22 and 23. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. I'm glad God it's not nothing new. It's not stale. It's fresh. It's not day old bread. He said thy mercies are new every morning. Mercy is available. But not only that, mercy is adequate. You say, oh you don't know what I need. Mercy is adequate. It'll, it'll hold you up. It'll hold me up. I like what Noah Webster said in his 1828 dictionary about the word mercy. He defined mercy as this. He said it's that benevolence, mildness, and tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. He said it's that disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or to inflict less than the law or justice will warrant. He said, in this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which uh, comes nearest to it is grace. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity, compassion, clemency, but is exercised only toward offenders. <laughs> he said, mercy is, is the distinguishing attribute of the supreme being, and we know that's God. Mercy is available. Mercy's adequate. It will hold us up. But not only that, mercy's for all. It's not just for a few. It's not just for this certain few elect or select or whatever you want to call them. Titus 3, 5 and 6 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing regeneration renewing the Holy Ghost which He shed on us abundantly. There's not one sinner or saint that's excluded from God's good mercy. I'm glad that mercy is for all. We see here the prop that supported Him. Number 6. Lastly, somebody said, praise the Lord for that. Mercy. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Number six, I want you to look at the provider that the psalmist recognized. He said, oh, look what they said here. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord. <laughs> o Lord, held me up. There's three things that I see about the psalmist when he says the words, Oh, Lord. Three things I see. 
I believe that the psalmist was humbled. He said, oh. He said, oh. And anyone that's experienced God's mercy knows, knows what the psalmist is talking about. He said, humble yourself on the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. He said, he said, oh, it brings us, when we experience the mercy of God, it brings us to that point to where all we can say is, oh, God, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, he was humbled. But not only that, I believe it shows that he was honest. Look at what he says here. He says, oh, Lord, Lord, uh, he gave God the credit. He didn't say, uh, his buddies didn't come by and said, man, you was in a bad way. How'd you get through that? He didn't say, well, I just got grit, got grit in my craw and got through it. He said, no, it was God. It was the Lord. He, he was humble and he said, oh, and he was honest and he said it was the Lord. Yeah. It was the Lord. He wasn't bragging or boasting about pulling himself up by his bootstraps. Hey, when I do that and when I get involved, when we get involved, we make a mess of stuff. It was, oh, Lord. He's honest, but not only that, it shows he was, he was honoring. I want you to look. This is L-O-R-D, all caps. I mean, it's Jehovah God that he's talking about. He didn't acknowledge some dead God. He didn't acknowledge some program or, or social club or lodge. God uses the, the Holy Spirit. I'm glad he uses his word, and I'm glad he uses preaching of the Word of God in churches and, and when those things are right they will, they will all uh, won't, uh, work together and they won't contradict one another. The psalmist said in Psalm 60 in verse number 11 give us help from trouble. Give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man. He said when I said when I said my foot slippeth Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. There's really no other help. The world's help is temporal. Real help is only through the merciful, loving, heavenly Father who reaches down in mercy and keeps us from falling. He said, when I said, my foot slippeth, he said, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. I want us to stand tonight. And I got three things I want to close with right here. Pianist, song leader, if y'all want to come, if you need to come, whatever you want to do, I don't care what the pastor said. Three things. I want to ask you this Do you need some help tonight? Do you need some mercy? Help for today? Do you need some mercy? Number one. You need to admit it. Number two, you need to ask for it. Number three, when you get it, appreciate it. Because he said, when I said, my foot slippeth, he said, man, I was going down. I was on the way down. And all I said was, my foot slippeth. He said, it was thy mercy, Lord, that held me up. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for the day you've given us. Lord, I hope this has come out, Lord, all right. And I pray, God, that you'll just help us, Lord. Lord, many times we need some help right now. And I think that your mercy is available and it's adequate. And Lord, I thank you, God, for meeting our needs so many times. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody here tonight that needs to crawl up and say, God, I need some help today. 
Lord, I pray that we respond. Help us, God, to draw nigh to you. You said if we would, you would draw nigh to us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to try to preach your word. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, in our walk with you to walk closer. Do a work, we pray, in this invitation. Get glory and help, uh, glory to yourself and help for your people, Lord. We'll thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name.